Fans of our on-demand show, we now have a brand new daily podcast. We're calling it Armstrong and Getty, One More Thing. Yeah, it's where we just talk about something else that didn't fit into the show. And sometimes we use naughty language. Yes! Not often, though, because it's naughty. Finally! Find it right now via the iHeart app. Just search for Armstrong and Getty, One More Thing. My chance to work blue. Reveal that freshman representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez will be giving lessons to her fellow Democrats on how to use Twitter more effectively, followed immediately by Chuck Schumer teaching Zumba. <laughs> Hilarious! Um, boy, did you see Kate McKinnon's uh, yet another portrayal of a politician of Elizabeth Warren? She has got an ability beyond anybody I've ever seen in my life to take on people's mannerisms or something. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, she does, Hillary. That's the art. Yeah, but I've never never seen anybody as good at getting their eyes or their mouth, things that you don't even pick up until she does them. Jim Carrey was miraculous at that early on in his career. I mean, like, shocking. True. But she did something with her mouth and eyes to be Elizabeth Warren. It was just incredible. Wow. Yeah, yeah, she's gifted, no doubt. I don't watch that show, though, Jack. It hasn't been funny since Dan Aykroyd was <laughs> plying the boards. Very, very funny. The Bassomatic. Oh, who could forget it? Marshall, in the, at the bottom of the hour news, is going to talk about Trump's proposal for the wall and the shutdown and all that sort of stuff that he did on Saturday and was rejected before he even gave the speech by the Democrats. All right. Uh, so uh, we should get into that because it's kind of interesting. So the emblem of our times... Viral story over the weekend. Perhaps you followed it. Perhaps you didn't. I didn't. I assumed you would, and I assumed correctly. I did. I did indeed. I couldn't avoid it. Um, So on Friday, uh, the March for Life took place in Washington, D.C. Strangely, this year it got a little covered, partly by the media, partly because of what I'm about to tell you. Normally, they pretend like it doesn't happen as close to a million people march against abortion. Enormous Um, march. Yeah. That happens every year that is ignored because I guess the media doesn't want. There's it. no enthusiasm for it. Whereas That's if the you, long and short. If you got 10% of that crowd marching for something the media was in favor of, it would be covered all day long with reporters live and et exactly. cetera. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing you, you might not understand about the news business. It's human beings. And enthusiasm is what determines what stories are covered and in what way. And lack of enthusiasm, obviously, in the other direction. And you have a situation where 80-some percent of journalists, last time it was polled, identify as a Democrat. Um, and uh, it was only like uh, 12% uh, identify as Republican, something like that. So it's just, it is what it is. But anyway, so at the, the March for Life, there was also an Indigenous Peoples March in Washington, D.C. the same day. And as the uh, March for Life broke up, a group of high school students from uh, Kentucky, I believe it was, Catholic High School, Covington, Kentucky, um, we're waiting for their buses by the Lincoln Memorial. And the narrative on social media, using carefully edited video, was that these bad, white, even though they weren't all white, but bad, racist, white high school students had surrounded an old Native American and started chanting, build the wall, and abusive things at him, and were bullying him in their MAGA hats, and the Internet went nuts. 
absolutely nuts. Various journalists and activists talking about how outrageous it was. Um, journalists saying, get me that high school yearbook. I need to know everything about these kids so that they can, um, so that they can drag them in front of the nation uh, for their, their hatred and derision and ruin these children's lives. By the way, I noted this morning on NPR, these were young men. I'm looking at them right now. They're boys. But they were young men throughout the entire report, in contrast to, say, youth from El Salvador, who at 16 and 17, if they cross the border, they're children. They're unaccompanied minors. How interesting how we choose our words. Anyway, so the the narrative was these terrible MAGA hat-wearing racists had surrounded this poor old Native American and were mocking him and and, and threatening him, etc. Here's MAGA as a modern-day swastika. Here's uh, this uh, journalist asking for the yearbook. Here is one of our beloved listeners, um, uh, Desiree, 25 years old, who had gotten a little more of the complete story ahead of some more of the Internet and said, hey, everybody, can we slow down? Because it looks like this. Among her responses, and this is on Facebook, so presumably she mostly consorts with people she semi-knows or likes or something, but some of the responses to her saying, let's slow down a little bit, was, you're racist gutter trash. You're an, this is a little harsh, my friends. Effing ignorant, see you next Tuesday. Woo! Or a see you next Tuesday Nazi for just daring to say slow down. That's an insult I had not heard. Yes. Well. I thought I'd heard them all. Well, there's a new I've one. never heard the CN. Oh, boy. Huh. <laughs> Wow, yeah, you are a blank Nazi. So anyway, here's the full story. These high school students are waiting for their buses. They're standing there, and four members of the obscure and little-known but truly interesting Black Hebrew Israelites movement decided to accost these high school boys and were screaming at them that they were Nazis and it rhymes with baggots. These guys, as described by the old Native American guy involved, he said, listen, I've seen the Westboro Baptist Church do their thing. These guys are a black version of the Westboro Baptist Church. They're crazy. So these four bizarro black activists are screaming at these high school boys who are not sure what to do. Native American guy, old fellow by the name of something, or Nathan Phillips, I think his name is, and I heard an interview with him. He seems like a perfectly sincere old guy and harmless and, and probably a nice man. But anyway, he's an activist type. So he decides this could turn violent, and he's afraid because there's a big group of high school kids and only four black guys, although the four black guys are clearly, according to everybody, initiating the hate. And he decides to go beat his drum for peace in some sort of show of reverence and, and spirituality in the faces of, and I don't use that phrase to be prejudicial, but he walked right up to the high school kids and he started beating his drum in an effort to kind of change the tone, and the high school kids just smiled at him, and the one just stood right where he was and smiled, and which was the the description on the internet was the high school kids had surrounded the the Native American and were smiling mockingly at his face and chanting "Build the wall," even though that didn't happen. So they're standing there wondering, "We're high school kids. What are we supposed to do?" Four crazy black guys are screaming epithets at us. 
Native American guy interjects himself into the middle of it, starts beating his drum, and beating I school- his peace drum, not his war drum. Right, right. Well, what do I know? That's what he says. And the high school kids are like, okay, what do we do? Okay, that's fine. And then they went away. But again, carefully edited videotape turned it into a MAGA hat wearing Nazis attempt to murder old Indian story. And the interwebs went wild and continue to go wild because, of course, the the lie will make it around the earth while the truth is still putting on its shoes, according to Mark Twain. And anybody who dare suggest it on Facebook Hey, I'm not sure it came out that way. Is an effing Nazi in modern America a C? Well, Nazi. Which mm. is, is is that what CNN stands for? <laughs> uh, mm, I I don't know that. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, I haven't and, denied it. <laughs> and so now you have all sorts of people nationwide trying to uh, well to you know to state the obvious. These high school kids are getting all sorts of death threats, and people are talking about no college in America should admit them. And the rest of it, and people are just going wild. Well, uh, you know, I I think where we're headed on this stuff, whether it's the BuzzFeed story or that one, like I didn't follow that story. I saw a headline, and I just saw whatever. I thought whatever I was looking at, I thought I'm not going to get the truth here anyway. So I just, right, and yeah, so I just I, I, th- I think the ultimate reaction to a lot of these stories is going to be to ignore them. And the problem with that, of course, is if it's an actual serious story that you need to know, you'll ignore that, too, and and think it's not true. Right. Yeah, true. The other aspect of this that bothers me is when the initial edited video that Slate put out with a twisted and disproved narrative, because there are plenty of long-form videos, when they came out, it made it utterly clear that Slate and their story were fake. They Slate are liars. Just keep that in mind. But after the initial Slate story came out, Bill Crystal tweeted that Trump should condemn the school. A writer at the National Review declared students might as well have spit on the cross. Bill Crystal's a right winger. Right. He's an old but school a, conservative. But a Trump hater. The school itself and the principal offered their deepest apologies and promised to take action, including expulsion. After the video state uh, uh, surfaced, both the diocese, because it's Catholic school, and the school made that statement. The mayor of Covington, Kentucky, spoke out against the students in an op-ed quoted by the Washington Post. This was all while the truth was putting on its shoes. So you got the mayor and the major newspapers and the and the principal and the diocese and the town and all the townspeople rushing to condemn the evil white children who'd done nothing. They're just standing there. Well, God help you if you ever get caught up in one of these stories. Oh, I'm telling you. Let's see. Uh, da, da, da. Um. Now, Phillips, the, ancient, the old uh, Native American guy, told the Washington Post that he felt threatened by the teens and that they swarmed around him. But the full video makes it clear he approached the students who were already there. And now in his interviews, he was on NPR for an extended period this morning, um, he said, no, I approached them. So he's kind of walking back the story. Scott Adams, the uh, Dilbert guy, who's a noted commentator these days, talks about Trump a lot. He said the students had behaved like a-holes on Sunday. He apologized for the remark and called the entire story fake news. Wow. So he got sucked in, too. He added that the full video suggested the students had acted with composure under the circumstances, especially having gay slurs 
screamed at them by these black Israelite lunatics and uh, one of the black students with them who was uh, lectured, screamed at by these lunatics as well, that he was a betrayer and the rest of it. You can guess what they yelled at him. But these kids kept their imposure and tried to play it cool in the midst of a very weird situation. And for that, they were dragged out into the Internet and, and portrayed as Nazis and now are afraid for their lives. Beautiful. Super. We got a fair number of texts on this, including I was absolutely aghast reading this story over the weekend. The media is stark raving mad and has gone too far on this one and many others. Yeah, we're, we're out of control. We're out of control. I tell you what, if you have an enemy and you'd like to ruin them or at least humiliate them and terrify them, and they're white, invent a story where they're mean to somebody of color and millions around the world will leap at their throats because it's just an automatic for the media. Text line is 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. We have more people that are officially in to the presidential race running against one Donald J. Trump. We'll bring you up to speed on all that on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. So this is the band that was on Saturday Night Live. I often learn about music I don't know from Saturday Night Live and the ancient Lorne Michaels. What is the name of this band, Michael? Greta Van Fleet. Greta Van Fleet. This is a safari song. Guy's controversial band. What's controversial about him? He said the guy, the lead singer, sings like a child. The fact that they have copped absolutely everything they do directly from Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. But you know, I thought they were awesome. They've repackaged it for another generation. Sure. Yeah. What are you going to do? I'm not a Zeppelin guy, so I didn't notice, but I really liked it. Oh, my God. It's... it's. I hear it now that you mention it. Yeah, yeah sure. It's like, what what Zeptune is this? I mean, down to the drums, the amount of reverb on the drums, the, the guitars, the amps. I mean, everything is copped directly from Zeppelin, but Zeppelin stole from old bluesmen, so it's hard to get too indignant. I really liked it. I'm going to jam some in my car today. You ought to go back to the original, Jack, and not this pale imitation. Or the original are in their 70s. <laughs> so, um, even CBS Early Show is covering the new caravan. That's 1,800, they're calling it. I don't know who counts these things. 1,800. It's hard because they keep moving. Central Americans that are heading toward the U.S. border. So, we got another caravan on the way. And when they get to the border, uh, maybe that will be the pivot point that forces the issue on build the wall and the shutdown and... Because I, I feel like America's going to break hard one way or the other on this, and then the polling yes. will become overwhelming one way or the other. I think so. And then the other side will have to cave. I yeah. think that's what's going to happen. Well, I'll tell you, the fact that CBS is on the scene, hardcore reporting on the caravan, which was fake at the election time, right? That there right. was no caravan, or it was 1,000 miles. It'll never get here. And it's, it's, it's a racist. It's being whipped up for... Reasons of politics and race. Now CBS is on it. Okay. All right. Fine. We forgive you your sins. Um, oh, speaking of fake news, just the, the final note. I think if there's any takeaway from the, the, the high school boys and the Native American activist and the, you know, the, that story, it's the, it's the heavyweights 
comparative heavyweights who were fooled by the initial video and what seemed to be and how quick they were to judge and condemn and how easy it is. And I'm talking to y'all now, how easy it is to get sucked in by an edited videotape and a faked up narrative, say, on Slate. It is easy to get yeah. sucked in. I, uh, I've i got a great piece on that for later on the the the. The lazy journalism of outrage and how we all fall for it and how easy it is to do. Yep. Uh, it's long, and uh, I might just read it because it's so well-written. But, mm-hmm. boy, it's everybody needs to become aware of it. And I'm sorry. I know we were going to talk about something else here, but I think on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, it's especially ironic that I'm just thinking about myself. The next story I hear about, you know, MAGA hat wearing racists hurt or surround or yell at or something some person of color, I'm going to think, oh, no, probably not. I always assume So that these fake stories give cover to sure, sure. real racists. Yeah, and I always assume this could be completely true or completely made up or anywhere in between those two extremes. Whenever well, I hear, when you hear a story yeah. of this nature, right, yeah. right. Um, it is a national holiday celebrating the birthday of Martin Luther King Jr. I got a, uh, a number of things on Martin Luther King Jr. because I did a fair amount of reading about it yesterday and, and have throughout my life. He was only 39 when he was assassinated. Wow. That's not very old. Wow. When I was younger, that seemed old. Now that I'm older, that seems quite young. Um, but uh, we'll talk about that later. This is the celebration of his birthday. This is close to his birthday, which was a couple of days ago. Um, as opposed to his death day, which is in April. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Trump offers a border deal. The Dems say, nah. Yet another hat's been tossed into the presidential race. And yet, She wears hats. And yet... Like an, Jackie O. And yet another comfort tool for those stressed out students out there. Oh, I need that. Oh, boy. Holding a puppy in one hand and a coloring book in the other. Awesome. Alcohol, that's what we used. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Busy, busy holiday news-wise. Let's get to it with Marsha Phillips. The partial government showdown is in its 31st day, and Democrats and Republicans appear to be no closer to ending it than when it began. I would say. President Trump over the weekend offering to temporarily extend protections for young immigrants brought to the U.S. illegally as children and those who are fleeing disaster zones. That would be in exchange for $5.7 billion for a U.S.-Mexico border wall. That is our plan. Border security, DACA, TPS, and many other things. Straightforward, fair, reasonable, and common sense with lots of compromise. Now, even before the speech was made, Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi rejected Trump's proposal, calling it a non-starter. Because? Why is it a non-starter? I don't understand why it's a non-starter. All negotiations have to start somewhere. Well, they're saying because uh, Trump uh, was the one who wanted to uh, do away with DACA, then just this three-year extension of, uh, you know, and that's your starting negotiating position. Right. And then you come back with something. Right. Yeah. The way it usually works. There's a bit of a division among the Democrats. Some saying, well, that's not good enough. Right. But let's, let's talk. And then the official line from Nancy is that, we won't negotiate at all until the government is reopened. Right. We won't even talk. Yeah, and that's a gamble. I'll be mentioning Howard Kurtz's Fox show throughout the day. Media matters because I love the way he 
looks at the media coverage of these things, and he thought it was really tilted the way the media gave the president no credit for attempting to negotiate on this. And, uh, and just blasted him for the effort. Sure, and sung the praises of Nancy Pelosi for her clever maneuvers. Now, there, there were headlines before it even began that Nancy turned it down and also um, some of the hardcore so-called Trump supporters blasted it with right. the idea, see, nobody likes it. Well, often the fact that nobody likes it means you're kind of in the sweet spot of right, a negotiation. Right, you got a good compromise. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. 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 I- I- any negotiation is going to end up where the extremes of both sides hate it. But Ann Coulter said of it, there are a million things to trade for the wall. A higher federal minimum wage, an infrastructure bill, a solar panel bill. Trade a wall for amnesty, and there's no purpose in having a wall. So the Ann Coulter crowd hated it. Mm -hmm. Nancy Pelosi rejected it before he even gave the speech. You know, if nothing else, if you're, you know, one of those people who doesn't spend all their day in a partisan froth, it really illustrates how difficult this topic is. I mean, politically speaking. I mean, it's hard to get to. A lot of senators had their aspirations, certainly their presidential aspirations, ruined by coming together for a compromise a number of years ago. Sure. Well, will at some point the public say, hey, look, he threw out something and you didn't even counter it. Will, will the polls move on that or not? Does he just look like the bad guy? I don't know. I don't know how it will play. Democratic Senator Kamala Harris has announced this morning she is running for president, saying up until now she has been a career prosecutor up until she started to become a politician. My entire career has been focused on keeping people safe. It is probably one of the things that motivates me more than anything else. And when I look at this moment in time, I know that the American people deserve to have somebody who is going to fight for them, who is going to see them, who will hear them, who will care about them, who will be concerned about their experience, and put them in front of self-interest. Pretty quick rise, as we've seen uh, in recent years with... Barack Obama, for instance, right. from uh, San Francisco to the, the, the senator for a state and then, you know, running for president. First of all, I got to nail this down since she's officially in and she's she's one of the big four, five, six that have a shot, wouldn't you say? Yes. She's in the top tier. Clearly. Yes, absolutely. She's a top tier. She's not one of these people that have no shot will be out of it before the first debate. Correct. Um, I put Kristen, Kristen Gillibrand in that group, although because she's from New York, she gets outsized publicity. Um, no, you're right, though. She's she's a lightweight. But I need to make sure I'm pronouncing her name right. How do you say her first name? Kirsten. No, no, no. Kamala, Kamala Harris. Kamala. Oh, Kamala. Kamala? Yes. Kamala. Yeah. Kamala Harris. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I uh, love the sport of running for president. I think it's really interesting. And I've read a lot of books about it, and I think I have some idea how it works. And I've mentioned how somebody got into the media for a couple of days these anti-Bernie stories a couple of weeks ago about sexual harassment in the Bernie Sanders campaign. Yep. And I don't know if that was Elizabeth Warren's people, or Biden's people, or Kamala Harris's people, or maybe Hillary's people. But somebody wanted to bring Bernie down a couple of notches. Mm-hmm. Over the weekend, in the New York Times, an op-ed piece, Kamala Harris was not a progressive prosecutor. The senator was often on the wrong side of history when she served as California's attorney general. Ah, oh, there you go. Some campaign who knew she was announcing this week. Biden? Hillary? Bernie? Yeah. Elizabeth Warren? Somebody got lobbied to get that into the New York Times to take her down a notch and put her on a on her back foot right off the bat. Yeah. Well, and I guarantee, and this is this is not me talking. This is me sitting there in the uh in the uh, the bleachers watching the game unfold. The whole, is she black enough narrative 
her ethnicity is going to become a huge issue among the social justice warrior classes. The left of the left. Guaranteed it's going to explode. I can lay that out for you at some point, but there's no hurry. Yeah, I've been seeing some significant pushback from her weeks before this. All circling around her time as a prosecutor and whether or not she was quote unquote pro cop, like that again, right. like that right. false dichotomy of you're right. either sure. pro citizen or pro cop. Right? Like, I don't. You I mean, one or the other. Which I, are you? How about on each individual case? Maybe the cops were in the right, maybe they weren't, and you go with it that way. Yeah. No, no room for that. Um, I wonder who's gunning for her. Maybe everybody, as you know, as we mentioned, she's a top tier candidate. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that would have a reason to bring her down a couple notches. Oh yeah. Matchup for Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta now locked. The New England Patriots. Finally, be, the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Patriots will be taking on the L.A. Rams on <laughs> February 3rd. I'm, I'm the opposite. As a casual fan, I'm excited that a team I know and a player I know is in the Super Bowl. Mm. I'm more likely to watch with the Patriots in the Super Bowl than if than if they weren't. Stand over there and eat your dip, lightweight. <laughs> Patriots beating the Chiefs 37-31 in overtime to win the AFC. Ooh. I just think it's a travesty that, that both teams don't get the a chance in the in overtime, but whatever. Rams rally past the Saints 26-23 in OT to win the NFC on Greg Zerline's 57-yard field goal in overtime. And Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl! The game should have been over. LA will play for the Lombardi! I'm sorry to offend the 11,000 Rams fans in America. Nobody cares. <laughs> you did Boy, have- did New Orleans get jobbed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Terrible call at the end of the game if you weren't watching. There was certainly a sense in the Chiefs-Patriots game that whoever had the ball last was going to win. Because yep. each team just kept scoring. Right. It was amazing. After a practically scoreless uh, first half, 7-0, just, it, was, it was astounding the number of points that were scored. The jokes about, I should have bet the under... Ended as as they combined for how many points was it in the fourth quarter? It was a spectacular number. Doesn't matter. If you bet it, you know. <laughs> there you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. See Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I couldn't name a single Ram. Uh, Todd Gurley? I Deacon think? Jones still play for the Rams? <laughs> he does indeed yeah. at age 65. It's really a feel good story. <laughs> Eric Dickerson. <laughs> Eric Dickerson. Eric Dickerson's still a Ram. Jared Goff is a name you should know. Yeah, exactly. He's their their fabulous young quarterback, late of Cal, correct? I believe so. Where yeah. is, Here's a Cal Bear. Where is the Super Bowl being played this year? Atlanta. Nobody knows. Where? What? Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. That's right. Atlanta. No, nobody knows. <laughs> and there are conflicting reports. Slate says it's Chicago. <laughs> and uh and who will be favored in this game? Patriots. Uh Patriots, yeah. You think? Uh, although I haven't seen the line. I would okay. guess so, yeah. Rams well, shouldn't be there. They've so. been there before. Huh? Yes. Yes. So the Repeatedly. Pa- every damn year, it seems like. Yeah, the Patriots had 32 players that had played in AFC Championship games before, yeah. and the Chiefs had zero. As which annoyed is, uh, as I am by the uh, Patriots' omnipresence in the AFL uh, title game and the Super Bowl, there is no taking away that in a league where they try r- uh, constantly to make the teams even... They're genius. There's genius at work in Between the scheduling and free agency, yeah, they try to take you down. They're as good as they seem at their jobs. Well, and They're one, amazing. And one 40-year-old Ugg-wearing model has a lot to do with it. Pretty fell, ain't he? <laughs> Martin he, Luther he King. He stays pretty because nobody can touch him. Anyway, go Let's on. talk Martin Luther King coming up in a little bit. Could be controversial. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Conscience. Of the nation. 
Armstrong and Getty Show. say that word fight a lot yeah. yeah well that's the only f word i know colin because i'm a fighter yeah. <laughs> I, i'm fighting for the middle class i'm fighting for medicare for all i'm like if monday night raw was hosted by npr's terry gross <laughs> <laughs> wow Let's see elizabeth warren character on saturday night live excellent Did she make reference to her heritage no, but she made reference to her youth, her her sprightly and naughty age sixty nine compared to these other eighty year olds. Oh boy, she did. Say, she did her DNA her, her DNA kit test results, and it came back one hundred percent a bad idea, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty funny. So uh, it's the celebration of Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. It's a government holiday. I'm against government holidays, but that aside, um, a couple different things. I did a deep dive on a few articles from uh, New York Times over the weekend about Martin Luther King Jr. and Got back into a couple of books I've read. Revisiting this from his uh, final speech the night before he was shot. Uh, conspiracy theorists often point to this speech. Because if you know he's going to die the next day and get assassinated, some of the things he says seem, well, odd. I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will, and he's allowed me to go to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know that tonight, we as a people will get to the promised land, and I'm so happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Conspiracy theorists have long pointed that he believe he knew he was going to get taken out or something. That is an amazing juxtaposition. It is. Yeah. The day before yeah. he was assassinated Did, in Memphis on April 4th. Had he been saying more or less the same thing for months? He had or? been afraid since he was 25 years old and ended up the leader of the Montgomery uh, bus boycott. Yeah. I mean, you know, he'd been getting death threats mm-hmm. throughout that entire time. From people who meant it, not well, internet no. death threats. Right. No, from people who meant it. Right. And uh, and and he he was an unwilling leader. He didn't want to be the leader of that bus bus boycott. He had no interest whatsoever in being the leader. Mm-hmm. They kind of chose him because there were two people that really wanted to be the leader, and nobody could come to an agreement. Okay, how about you? Just because nobody's going to have a problem with that. King's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. people and, respect uh, him. And then you know took off from there. Yeah. Um. But the, one of the reasons I I read that quote is it includes the phrase i may not get there with you which is a book that was written years ago by michael eric dyson i don't know if you know his act i do he's an activist black professor who ends up on face the nation and meet the press regularly and that sort of thing he's, he's well respected but his book i may not get there with you the true martin luther king jr has has some stuff in it that you know doesn't get mentioned on mlk day very often um King lost many white supporters when, in the last few years of his life, his eyes were opened to America's commitment to racism, and his rhetoric became less hopeful. In 1968, MLK declared, I'm sorry to have to say that the vast majority of white Americans are racists, either consciously or unconsciously. And he was advocating for a wide-ranging affirmative action programs, which um, Dyson says uh, it's conservatives that regularly go with the part of I have a dream judged by the content of their character, not the color of the skin, mm-hmm. overlooking the fact that MLK was huge on affirmative action and thought it should be, like, all-encompassing. Um, 
And Dyson wants there to be a moratorium for 10 years at least on the I have a dream speech. If we're forced to live without that speech for a decade, we might have to be forced with Martin Luther King Jr.'s real beliefs and words. That's his view of it. Interesting. Yeah. Just a quick clarification. A lot of conservatives were of the belief that uh, affirmative action had its place for a, for a certain amount of time and that some of the negatives associated with it would start to outweigh the positive, so it ought to be a transitional thing. Um, but anyway. So he said that stuff about white people being just inherently racist, and uh, and, and he'd come to that view in, in by 68. He also really got into being an advocate for socialism and anti the Vietnam War and his own Southern Christian Leadership Conference, which he was uh, a leader of and formed was you know instrumental in the entire civil rights movement it was putting a lot of pressure on him to moderate his views by the end of his life and at the time of his death even though he'd won the nobel peace prize a few years earlier he had slipped off gallup poll's list of the 10 most admired men in america Hmm. by the time of his death which is hard to imagine you know i'd kind of like to hear that list see who was ahead of him at that time right yeah there are I have to word this carefully so it's not taken out of context by whoever would do that sort of thing. But there are advantages. Whether I'm you're... tired of doing this for a living anyway. If we get booted off the air, so be it. There are advantages, whether you're Buddy Holly or Kurt Cobain or Martin Luther King Jr., to, to, to dying young right. and not having the rest of your life and beliefs and, 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 and changing views or crappy music, or however we want to look at it, sure. uh, put out there. And everybody assigns all these, uh, the, 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 a lot of brilliance and, and, and to a static period of your life. Right. Yeah, your chickens never come home to roost. If Martin Luther King say. Jr. had continued to live and espouse socialism and whites are inherently racist, it would be a different view. Mm-hmm. Things would be different. Right. No doubt about it. Well, and people admire slash uh, mourn for uh, martyrs. There's just sure. no doubt. I mean, how do you know? It's it, well, Yeah, it's a terrible thing, and your heart goes out to them and their families and the rest of it. Um, so there's that as well. Um, you know, well, enough said on that. I now, think everybody the, gets it. Now, on the other hand, the books that they recommended in the, in the New York Times, along with that one, um, they started with my favorite that I recommend every year, Parting the Waters by Taylor Branch, which is absolutely fantastic. And then there's a, which, but there's three volumes, and there are a thousand pages each, and who's going to read those Oof. other than me? Um, but really, really good stuff. And then there's a shorter version by Garrow. Uh, the title of it uh, escapes me right now. But um, uh, it's an all-encompassing one-volume book of his life. Oh, it's an, he edited it, it for Branch? or No, or it's, it's a his own book. Thing. Also okay, won the okay. Pulitzer Prize. Same right. period of time. But I was rereading that last night and starting with the whole Rosa Parks stuff and the bus and the bus boycotts. And it's just, it's just amazing that this country was like that. Mm-hmm. For such a period of time that you were not allowed to sit in certain seats on a bus. Right. I mean, it's just, it's hard to even wrap your head around mm-hmm. that in my lifetime that that was going on. Right. Lunch counters, et cetera. I know. It's just, it's just amazing. And uh, yeah, I could see how you'd come to the view that a lot of people were racist when that existed all across wherever you lived. Mm-hmm. And Rosa Parks, who was arrested for not getting up out of her seat so a white person could sit down. After she was arrested, she was incredibly thirsty at the police station, but she wasn't allowed a drink because that was a white drinking fountain. I mean, it's just it's hard to believe that even happened in this country. Sure, it's worth knowing. I'm a big fan of knowing everything that happened. The right. things Martin Luther King Jr. said, the bus boycott stuff and why it happened, all of it. We should look at it all and recognize it all and discuss it. Yeah. 
Well, those who have the patience. Most people don't have the patience. They want the drive-by version of for, stuff. For, dif- is, uh, for, for different reasons than Dyson, I think, th- I think playing clips of I Have a Dream is a very lazy way to pay any tribute to Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. Um, at yeah. this point. Yeah. It's, well, yes. It's, it's, it's barely stirring from your bed, journalism-wise. Just giving people the obvious that they expect. I mean, it's like singing jingle bells at Christmas time. I mean, it just it's it doesn't it's not much. I would like to point out on a regular basis, uh, whenever enjoy singing jingle bells, by the way, that he, that he had a Ph.D. in theology, but he was a, a man of uh, education, and uh-huh. and so were most of the people around him, and right. it was very very high highly valued and prized, and 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 they knew that it was imp- you know necessary to accomplish what you want to accomplish in this country. How many people? On that note, are going to speak today at various gatherings and point out that both Martin Luther King Jr. and uh, Malcolm X um, and and just the virtually every single leader of the civil rights movement made it clear that if you wish to be respected, you need to respect yourself and make something of yourself. That that was first. That's not a popular notion. But again, drive by, jingle bells. I have a dream. Don't actually think about it. Don't well, actually get, study. You get to check the box that you did something for uh, MLK Day. Right. And you won't be called a racist. And right. That's what, what a lot of media does. Um, but we'll be talking about it throughout throughout this show. You know what? Because we're brave. Are we brave? No, nah. I'm not brave. I'm not. No. no. I'm certainly not. I'm just defeated. <laughs> I say outrageous stuff because I don't care anymore. Yeah. Awesome. No, I do care. I just I don't care about some of the stuff a lot of people care about. You are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.